1: walking the path with the Buddha. Today, we're going to be switching things up a bit and doing something different than we normally do. We've been conducting our group learning program for the last six months here using our virtual classroom in Zoom and live streaming out to Facebook and YouTube. And the students that have been involved in this program have been learning and practicing the teachings of Gautama Buddha, through a six month educational program that started back in February. Well, today, we're about one month away from the completion of this program. So what we would like to do is try to use our technology here to have a bit of a group discussion with all of the students who are in our Zoom classroom, who are on Facebook, and who are also in YouTube. In fact, what we're going to be doing is having a discussion with the students in our zoom classroom as well as anyone else who would like to contribute around social media where this is broadcasting and we want to kind of ask you some questions in order to get some feedback from you about how the program's been going and we want to use this as an opportunity for you guys to kind of talk to each other and get to know each other a little bit more So what we've done is I've come up with a few questions that I would like to kind of pose out to the group and then kind of make two passes around as if we're all sitting in a circle where you kind of share and answer the first few questions. And then once we all answer those, then kind of go back around and answer the second round of questions. And what we're going to be doing here is again, getting a chance to know each other a bit better getting a chance to know what it is that you're working on and what you've learned in this program since you've been participating in it. And then ultimately, by the time we do the second round of questions, we're going to be looking for some feedback of things that have gone well for this program and things that you feel that you would like to provide some suggestions or some ideas of how we can actually improve the program. Because starting in August, about four weeks from now, we're actually going to start the program all over again. We're gonna start at the beginning of the book, which is Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Nibbana. Right now, we're in chapter 21, but in about three or four weeks, we're gonna actually have completed the entire book. So at that point, it will be time for us to start the group learning program over. And initially, the plan is to go back through the entire book again, starting at chapter one, and then working our way through. However, depending on what feedback we get from the various participants that have been participating as students in the program, we may decide to change that or adapt that based on what feedback we get and how you guys share with us that things might have went throughout the last five or six months. So let me start with the first round of questions. The first question that I would like you guys to answer is what is your name? Where do you live? what brought you to start learning and practicing the teachings of Gotama Buddha? What are the biggest challenges that you discovered and overcame through this group learning program? So in other words, in the last five to six months of learning and practicing Gotama Buddha's teachings, what are some of the biggest challenges that you discovered about your life practice that through the teachings of the Buddha you were able to overcome? And then the fifth question, is what are the biggest challenges you see for yourself to work on overcoming going forward from this point forward? So these are the questions that I would like for each student to share, if you would, as we go around the circle and give you guys a chance to talk. So who would like to start with our first five question?
2: I'm willing to go first, David.
1: I had a feeling that was going to be the case.
2: <laughs> Let's kick things off. Okay, so I'll stop sharing the slides now. Hi, everybody. My name's Max. Some of you know me already. I am currently living in the UK. I usually live on the South Coast, a city called Brighton, although I'm not there at the moment. And what brought me to start learning and practicing the teachings of Gota Buddha? Well, I had already been meditating daily for several years not doing it as Buddhist practice but like many people trying to use meditation as a tool to help me with the rest of life so as a way to manage negative emotions remain more present make better decisions manage stress maybe even enjoy life a little more I think during those years I had a taste of this this feeling of this is really like this could go somewhere you know in that this could really help me but for the time being I'm just going to use it to help the rest of my life but there was a feeling that there's something there that's maybe bigger than merely as as a tool to help with the rest of life and it was then actually when I encountered David in a trip to Thailand and with your guidance David, it really sort of started to come together in a way that I felt like rather than use this to support the rest of my life this is like a taste of real freedom. You know, what I've been trying to obtain with the rest of life, which I thought was helping me towards freedom, hadn't really been working. You know, I tried many things. I jumped onto a office career, you know, a career in sales basically straight after university and I thought that would provide freedom. But actually it seemed to take it away after a few years. And then I started a business that I could operate online and so I had this dream of being able to travel the world whilst working on a business which just you know sounds amazing and it it was great many times but it also came with many drawbacks as well and ultimately though it didn't actually satisfy me and so it's only really when I started applying deeper teachings and more refined teachings and not just you know stuff I'd heard online through meditation apps or various other resources, that it all started to come together in a way I thought, actually, what should be going on here is maybe rather than using meditation to support my life, maybe my life should actually be used to support my mind, you know, to liberate the mind. And so ultimately it came to this realization that liberating the mind is is really the point, you know, that's really what I should be aiming for, rather than trying to cultivate my external world in various ways to help the mind, actually it should be the other way around, you know, the mind is really what I should be working on um, directly. So that's how I eventually ended up beginning to learn the, the teachings of Gautama Buddha. So i move on to the next question now, which is what are the biggest challenges I discovered and overcame through the group learning program? First thing that comes to mind is simply my meditation practice. It became more consistent. It provided more consistent benefits as a number of ways in which it changed. So the first is that I just started meditating more. Whereas before I was meditating once a day, usually sometimes twice, maybe twenty minutes a day on average. Now it's I don't time it, but it's usually two or three times a day and usually probably 20, 30 minutes of time, but just simply getting in greater quantity of it just really helps it become more um, consistent and allow myself to focus more readily. But another thing which is quite interesting was what I was doing during meditation. So with the advice that you gave David to focus on the tip of the nose, because before I was focusing on the abdomen and interestingly, that made a big difference because the abdomen is very, very changeable. And for some people that might work better But for me, having a really consistent point to focus on seemed to allow the meditation to become more focused. And generally I found myself being more calm during meditation and experiencing greater benefits to the mind that seemed to last longer. And the third way in which my meditation was helped was not applying too many strict rules to it, not sort of trying to be too rigid in terms of when I would meditate, how long I'd meditate for, not apply too many expectations on myself so for example I'd sit down and I'd sort of say to myself that you can get up at any time and knowing that I could get up at any time in a roundabout way sort of made me not not get up I thought I'll just go another minute you know just see what happens and usually I'd end up sitting for longer with that approach not shorter so all of those things came together in quite a quite a helpful way during this group learning program So the last question, what are the biggest challenges I see for myself to work on overcoming? First thing that comes to mind is uh, right speech. So putting uh, the eightfold path into practice and particularly uh, right speech. I notice when I maybe speak a a bit abruptly, sometimes a bit harshly, it's an old habit that I have and I don't mean it often in a harsh way but sometimes it just seems to come out that way. So it's something I've been working on consciously, it seems to be improving. And so I'm going to stick with it, but it's interesting to reflect on the teachings as you learn them and see how, oh yeah, there was a moment in in that relationship or in that conversation where I was hitting, you know, the four of the five factors of well-spoken speech, but maybe what I said wasn't spoken gently. And so despite it being true, helpful, right time spoken with loving kindness so good intentions it still maybe wasn't spoken gently and so you can trace it back and go ah okay so that's why that's why i'm experiencing the unwholesome results of that so yeah really noticing the the wisdom in teaching and that's a focus for me so hopefully that's been useful to you guys and that more or less completes my five questions
1: maybe i'll add something to your list max that you overcame the technology of uh, being a moderator
2: (laughs) yeah yeah that's that wasn't without its challenges but we're still tweaking that aren't we yeah when we
1: first started you know the first three or four sessions we really had a lot of challenges with the technology and then now we've had a clear run at technology for quite a long time until i just clicked that one little button and uh
2: yeah we had We had quite a good streak
1: there. (laughs) So, yeah. So, all right. Well, thank you for sharing that, Max. And thank you for being our moderator for the last five months and for the next month that we have going forward.
2: Oh, it's an absolute joy. Yeah, no, no, thank you. Very glad to help.
1: I think we all can see your generosity and your loving kindness and compassion to be willing to do this twice a week for two hours at a time. So, that's four hours a week and times four weeks, you know, you're dedicating a good uh, 16 hours uh, a month of your time minimum to do this work. And I know that I really appreciate it. And I imagine all the people on Facebook and social media, YouTube, that you're kind of like their voice in the group learning program to help them get answers to their questions. And even folks here in our Zoom that submit questions oftentimes through the chat window. You know, you're the one that makes sure that the questions get answered and we're all kind of progressing with exchanging information. So I really appreciate it. And I'm sure I speak for everyone else that they really appreciate your work too.
2: Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, that's great to hear, really glad. And it's great to know that it's useful that the time is well spent.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I think that, you know, for me over here in Chiang Mai teaching, if I was teaching and looking at comments in three different places Zoom, YouTube, and Facebook, and trying to keep track of all of that, the seamlessness of these classes, of what goes on in the background, you know, I can see you as I'm teaching and I can see other people in the Zoom classroom. But oftentimes, I see you heads down just really (laughs) going at it with uh, chatting. And I imagine that you spend more time doing that than the actual learning. And I know that you've shared with me that after these sessions are over, you usually listen to the podcast or the YouTube video back because you've been so busy during the actual learning session that you didn't have time to actually learn because you were actually working. So that's a sacrifice that you're making for everyone else, that you're able to dedicate your time and attention to that, and then you kind of still learn offline once the class is over.
2: Right, yeah, thank you. That's actually a good point, because when I am moderating, I have to try and maintain singleness of mind. So I generally am focusing on, say, one thing, like the Facebook window, and then maybe I'll listen for a bit, and then I'll go back and answer a question on Zoom. So, yeah, I always listen back because it's been important for me to not allow my mind to scatter between each each window and each thing that's going on so I can actually you know, operate effectively doing it. Glad to know it's been helpful.
1: Yeah, when we get off of these sessions and I look back through the chat of YouTube and Facebook and I see all the different things that you guys were chatting about that I had no idea that was going on because I'm just focused on teaching... I'm very impressed of your singleness of mind of being able to just stay in focused on all of those chats that you guys are having while the teaching's going on. You make it seamless. You make it so fluid right. and so easy. And um, your accent helps a little bit make it more clear too. <laughs> very, very. Queen's
2: English helps.
1: Yeah. We say I say accent, but to you, it's normal speaking. I'm sure. I
2: didn't realize I had an accent to be honest <laughs> until, until I left England.
1: Yeah. Well, e- English people probably think that us Americans have accents too, right? So it just depends oh, yeah. depends on your frame of mind of what's your normal, and if somebody is different than your normal, then they must have an accent. Right. This is yeah, this is right. perception. Yeah. It's it's all about perception, right? So Absolutely. so to you, you don't have an accent, but to somebody who doesn't live in the same area as you, you have an accent. It's all about perception. All right.
3: Yeah, that's
2: right. Well, uh, we have many accents in the UK as well. Such a small country.
1: Yeah. Well, thank so you. I'd also like, Go ahead.
2: I was going to say I'd also like to thank everybody who checks in on Facebook regularly and answers or asks even many questions because it really keeps the content coming. It really helps to grow out the teachings. And so, yeah, I'd just like to thank everyone who's been very active and engaged and practicing well.
1: Yeah, we've had some outstanding questions over the last five or six months uh, in these online sessions and then also in the Facebook group as well. So, excellent. Thank you for all your effort, Max. I really, really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Very glad to help.
1: Okay, who would like to share next?
2: I can go to Amina on Facebook because she's typed her answers out. So thank you, Amina.
1: Sure, that'd be great.
2: So Amina is from Italy. And she says, I had a chance meeting with David in Thailand. Originally, I was looking for a yoga class taught by his wife. I had been meditating on and off, and after a few classes with David, I began a more regular daily practice, also reading his book, Open the Door to Buddhism. The biggest challenge has been to go of my attachments as a mother. While I have had progress, I'm mindful now when those attachments resurface and I practice letting go and allowing my child to be her own person without my expectations.
1: Very nice.
2: And... The last question, so what Amina is looking to work on, is the concept of non-self.
1: Oh, yes, for sure. Yeah, Amina is originally from America. She grew up in, I believe it was New York, and she now lives with her husband and daughter in Italy. And for a period of time, they lived in America for about six years and I met Amina here and we met two or three times. I even had lunch with her family at one point at a restaurant here in Chiang Mai. And as Amina has learned and grown and I've helped her quietly, even before these group learning programs, I was helping her learn that eventually she offered assistance to edit this book because she knew that I was kind of in the final stages of this book. And over the course of a good Three months, I want to say, she just consistently and methodically went through each chapter and just kind of buttoned up the commas and gave a couple suggestions here and there. And she's really been a big contributor to make the book read so much better. And as some of you know, I'm now in the process of making this an audiobook. In fact, today I went to the studio for the fifth or sixth session. And I've probably got another six or so sessions left. But if it wasn't for Amina helping me to edit this book and get the grammar exactly what we needed, that audiobook wouldn't have been able to come about. And also, the book probably wouldn't read as good as it does. So now, with Amina's help, we've completed all the edits and suggestions that Amina gave. And believe it or not, Amina, while I'm in session with the audiobook, There's still just one or two little things that I see that I want to tweak. So I'm still kind of tweaking the language just a little bit because I'm trying to make it so crystal clear what the teachings are and sharing that. So today was the sixth session that I drive about 10 minutes down the road on a motorbike and meet with a gentleman from the UK who lives here with his Thai wife and his son. He's been living here for 12 years, and he's a sound engineer, and he actually used to do a lot of work in the music video industry and in the movie industry, and he still does actual movies now, and he does works from here in Chiang Mai, but his clients are all over the world. He gets movies from Iraq and Iran and still the UK and different places, and he even does voiceovers and narration. He's the voice of the BBC, so if you've ever listened to the BBC before and you've heard this really well-spoken man come over the BBC and talk, it's this gentleman who's helping me to do the audiobook. And he was very gracious and significantly reduced his price because he knew that what I was offering to be able to fund this project was donations from you guys and I let him know that I only had a certain amount of money, but he actually offered his services at a tremendous discount because he's very interested in seeing the content of these teachings reach the world. So he's putting in a lot of work to create the audiobook with me. Of course, I'm doing the narration, but he's doing all the engineering and editing and things like this, and he's doing a fantastic job. But none of that would have been able to happen if it wasn't, for example, Amina helping me to edit this book. So even though we can't see you, Amina, I know what you look like. And uh, I really want to just share my appreciation with you as well for all the contributions that you've been making over the last several months to improve what I've been able to offer to the students for learning and practicing these teachings So thank you so much, Amina, for all your questions, all your suggestions, all your help. And of course, just being a good student of learning and practicing the teachings. So thank you. All right. Absolutely, I second that. Yes, yes, we all have Amina to thank because you guys don't know my story, but I dropped out of high school in ninth grade. So the last grade that I ever completed was eighth grade. So when I dropped out of high school... I went and got my GED and I passed the GED and I just went straight to college because I was kind of done with high school. I had had a girlfriend who died when I was 16 years old and that's when I was in ninth grade and it just shook up my world. And I decided that I didn't want to be in school anymore. So that's why I dropped out, took the GED and just went straight to college. But because of that, I had missed a whole lot of education from ninth, 10th, 11th and 12th grade. So when I entered into college, I had to take catch-up classes to learn how to write better. And eventually, I left community college and went to a four-year school. And I tell you, I had to work really, 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 really hard for my Bs, right? Like I was a B student in college, but I worked really, really hard for those Bs. In all my major classes, I got A's, but in anything that had to do with writing, I always struggled. So it's kind of ironic that I've written three books now and published them. Before this book, I wrote two books on traditional Thai massage. But the beauty there was I was working with a publisher and everything went to the publisher in the UK and they actually had a whole team of graphic artists and editors and all kinds of people that helped create the book. This book is self-published, so someone like Amina really helped because my grammar isn't what I would consider to be a professional author. But nonetheless, I feel like the book came together really nicely and it reads really, really well. So I'm really thankful for not only Amina, but even all of you guys out there, whether you're listening to the podcast or you're in the Facebook group or YouTube channel, one of the things that I did is as I was writing the book, I would publish the chapters in the Facebook group And as everybody was asking questions or commenting or different things, as people were asking really good questions, I would incorporate those into the book. So this book started a year and a half, two years ago with just one chapter. And I wasn't even planning to write a book, it was just about the Four Noble Truths. And I was just going to write about the Four Noble Truths and kind of send that out. But the more I wrote and the more people asked questions, the more I put together this book. And there's just been questions after questions after questions. And even some of them from this group learning program, as you guys have asked questions, I was like, oh, that's a good question. It should be in the book. Or sometimes I might have been teaching a class at the temple and somebody asked a certain question and I'm like, oh, that that needs to be in the book. Or, for example, a lot of people ask questions about love and relationships. And I got a lot of questions about love and relationships. And Max doesn't know this, but the last straw was i sat down at a restaurant at a pizza shop with max in chiang mai and he had a lot of questions about relationships and love and i was like all right i'm just gonna write a chapter about love because i kept talking about it over and over about how to have relationships that were based on non-attachment and true love and after talking about this online and talking about it in person with so many different students, I finally just decided to devote a whole chapter to it because it was so important to learning how to love without attachment. It's so key and central to awakening the mind into enlightenment. So Max was kind of the last one who asked a bunch of questions about love. And I was like, all right, you know, this is like the 20th person that I've answered these questions to. Let me just write a chapter about it. So this book, the way that I see it, while I'm the author and the information and wisdom is coming from my experiences and my practices, but ultimately from Gautama Buddha, While I'm the author of this book, it's really a collaboration amongst all the students and all the thousands of people that I've been teaching over the last many, many years because all those different questions have been put into this book in one way or another to make sure that I've essentially answered every foreseeable question that could arise. And I've answered it at a certain level of detail. And then as we go through this group learning program, as you guys have questions on Facebook and so forth, we dive deeper and deeper and deeper down into the teachings. And the book is just kind of like a way to get started and kind of take in the initial wisdom of Gautama Buddha's teachings. And then these classes and Facebook and retreats that I host here in Chiang Mai and classes I have here in Chiang Mai are a way for students to go deeper and deeper and deeper into the wisdom of how to practice the teachings of Gotama Buddha that lead to enlightenment. So while I'm thinking Max and I'm thinking Amina, I also would like to thank all of you and all the thousands of people that aren't even listening to this that have come and gone at different times and asked many, many different questions because it's all those questions and all that experience of answering those questions that have made its way into this book so that it can benefit all of you going forward so thank you
2: i think when i first met you david the book was on edition three and it's now on edition seven or eight and in the 12 months or so in between there are many 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 iterations of new topics new questions refinements here refinements there, adding bits and so the book now is a very uh, refined version of what it was when I first encountered it, a lot more content, and very um, tailored to, I think, the needs of people today. So interesting to know that uh, it was ultimately I was the last person to ask the question about love before (laughs) you wrote that chapter.
1: Yeah. And, you know, in the year and a half that I've been writing this book, that's why we went through seven editions, because I kept thinking that I was done, right? Edition one, I was like, all right, I'm done. There's four chapters. I'm done with this book. But then the questions kept coming and coming and coming. So I was like, all right, here's an edition. And I just added three chapters. And then, okay, more questions came. I added another four or five chapters. There's edition three. Okay, I'm done. I'm done writing this book. No more questions kept coming and coming. So eventually what we've gotten to is an edition seven. But in reality, what most people probably would have done is just locked themselves in a room for a year and a half, two years, and just wrote a book. But this type of book wasn't that kind of book to just lock myself in a room and write it. It was a collaboration between the students. And the more that I was writing and publishing on Facebook, the more questions that came in. So that's why the book kept growing and growing. If you look at three that you got about a year ago, Max, it probably only has about 12 or 13 chapters because the chapter about love is chapter 14 and that would have been written right after I met you (laughs) because of that conversation we had. And then now there's 24, 25 chapters because of all the other subsequent conversations that I had with so many different people here in Chiang Mai and other places around the world as uh, people have been asking more and more questions. So I feel like now we've really got a really good, solid baseline of teachings to be able to share with the world.
2: Nice, yeah, and I think... The new chapters really resonate with people for that reason. You know, This idea of a uh, true love versus attachment is, uh, it goes against a lot of what is expected of us in culture and the way we're conditioned to behave. And it's a very powerful message for people. So yeah, glad that was included.
1: Yeah, exactly. And one of the things that I see in some teachings where people teach Gautama Buddhist teachings, they say that you can't love and be enlightened at the same time which I know is a hundred percent not true. And some people will say, if you have a life partner, you can't get enlightenment. Or if you have a son or a daughter, you can't get enlightenment, which is, we know very untrue because Gautama Buddha had a, had a son and a wife. (laughs) Right. So, but this is still what people are teaching. So, the more people kept asking these questions about this and I realized how much misinformation is in the world about Gautama Buddha's teachings, that's when I said, okay, I just need to write a chapter about love so people can understand how to love without attachment, that it's absolutely possible to have a life partner and have children and still attain enlightenment as well. And now we have that chapter to be able to share that.
2: Wonderful. Well, we have some more answers from Facebook. Okay. Okay, let's go over to Bassam. So Bassam is from Egypt, and we've seen you on many calls recently, Bassam, and you're also very active in the Facebook group, so I'd like to thank you for that. Bassam says he was looking for the truth for many years, and finally it's obvious that he's found the way leading to the truth. Bassam says the biggest challenge for me was to find a scientific logical and ethical philosophy of life. I found many major answers through the answers provided here. And lastly, I'm facing some challenges in dissolving ego and some related to the thoughts that arise in my mind while meditating.
1: Okay. Well, Bessam, I'll just step in there. Thank you for sharing that. And For those things that you're still working on, that's the reason why I put this question in there is because, you know, this is your independent practice for every single person. It's your independent practice. I'm here as a guide, as a teacher. I'm the one who's kind of holding the light and showing you what the path is. But it's great to hear, actually, that you know that you're working on ego and you're working on some of the thoughts that are arising in meditation So continue to look at those things and continue to ask questions either in the Facebook group, the online class, or schedule a meeting with me privately, which is something I've opened up in the last week or two, where all the students, whether you're in this program or not, if you're listening to this on the podcast or wherever you hear this, you can actually schedule a one-on-one meeting with me. And you can schedule many if you want over the course of the coming months and years where I can do video talks with you or audio and can give you some private guidance. So you're always welcome to ask questions in the Facebook group, but if it's something more private that you would like to have a private discussion with, you're welcome to do that. And there's been many students that have been taking advantage of that and spending time to do that. And that's a great way to learn and get really targeted guidance from your teacher. And it's a good opportunity for me to get to know you a bit because the more that I know you and I understand your mind and I understand a little bit of your life about what's going on in your life, the more I'll be able to kind of help you with these teachings. And this is how a teacher like me helps in a community like this in Thailand where you've got Buddhist temples everywhere throughout the country. The Buddhist temple is kind of like the community center where all the villagers as they're having challenges in life, they will go see the monks and get guidance in the Buddhist teachings. The monks won't tell them exactly what to do, but he'll just give them teachings in which they can reflect on and improve their life and make decisions. And I'm very comfortable fulfilling that role for you guys, whether it's in our classes or on Facebook or a private discussion, that as you're meeting certain challenges and you're not quite sure how to apply the teachings of the Buddha to those challenges, You can either ask questions in Facebook, ask questions in class, or schedule a private discussion with me where I can share some of the teachings of the Buddha after you've already shared with me kind of what you're facing in life. And I've even done this with like Bill here in Chiang Mai. We've had a few lunches together where we've sat down and Bill and I have talked about different things that Bill's facing. And that's a really great way to get some real targeted guidance in your practice. So I would just like to let you guys know that that's available for everybody. And one of the beautiful things about where we are in current times is during the lifetime of the Buddha, only the people that lived in that region of the world were able to learn and and practice the teachings with the Buddha because the Buddha was only in that region of the world, a very small, isolated part of the world. But nowadays, with modern technology, I can actually share these teachings with anybody in the entire world that has access to the internet or access to our place here in Chiang Mai. So I can help people in America, in South America, in Canada, in Europe, in the UK, in Australia, in Japan, China, you know, Greenland, New Zealand, Africa. I've been teaching students all over the entire world through these group learning program and through private discussions. So that's one of the beauties about where we are in our current time frame in this lifetime is that you can reach out and get help with these teachings no matter where you are. One of the things I was sharing with Max just the other day is that I kind of see the Facebook group almost like an online temple. It's kind of like I'm there in the Facebook group. And as the students come in and out of this Facebook group or this online temple, you have the opportunity to come into the group, ask certain questions, get help, and then leave. Just very much like a online temple. And that's how I kind of view what we're doing here. We've created this kind of online version of a temple. So you're welcome to get advice, Bassam, with anything that you're facing in terms of the challenges of learning and practicing these teachings so thank you for sharing that
2: yeah thank you barson okay so i know that uh, bill is interested to answer questions so i'll go ahead and
3: unmute you bill hi everybody um my name's bill and um i'm currently living in chiang mai i'm originally from the west coast my family's in portland was born and raised there but i identify more with uh, California in the Bay Area that's where I lived and had my teaching career for 20 years and then I retired here and um, originally I, I became interested in Buddhism as a result of um, entering the rooms of 12-step uh, for uh, alcoholism um, and trying to come to terms with the higher power that worked for me uh, I was raised a conservative Christian and um, that, that path just wasn't working for me. And so I needed to find uh, a higher power and a spiritual path. And uh, so I did a lot of reading and just sort of dabbled for many, many years with the teachings, but never really diving into it seriously. There, there was a period of time uh, while I was still in the Bay Area that I discovered a Sangha in uh, Saratoga. And they studied. uh, They were in the Tibetan tradition, and um, I attended many classes um, there, and um, and I learned a lot. And then towards the end, they started practicing a lot of the rituals with the water bowls and prostrations. I don't know. At that point, I just sort of became I I don't know discontent. (laughs) (laughs) this isn't for me, um, and so I walked away from that. Um, you know, I thanked the, the teachers, but um, I moved on. And then I ended up here in Chiang Mai, and you know, I I was frequently asked by my family, "What is it about Thailand that appeals to you? Why do you want to move there?" And I had many reasons. The first one that always came to mind was the people, and what is special about the people. Well, 95% of them, last I checked, follow the, the path of the Buddha. They're just the, the whole culture, you know, and now having had exposure to the teachings, and especially the way David, uh, as a fellow American, uh, and the language and the examples, they just resonate with me. Uh, so I'm very grateful. I don't remember how our paths crossed, how I discovered you. I probably originated on Facebook but, and then um, found out about the at Wat Yu, the Yu uh, sessions there before COVID 19 and had opportunities to go there and, and study and ask questions. Moving on to the fourth one, the, the biggest challenge uh, I discovered and overcame, well, I'm still overcoming some of them. I've always struggled with meditation and just sitting and being quiet. My mind is like a squirrel.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> or uh, I used to have a hamster in my classroom. Kids love that little thing and it would just get on that treadmill and go and it would just remind me of my mind. And um, so I thought, what challenges have I had in the past as far as scheduling and starting something new when I couldn't go to the gym anymore I started this home routine and after I exercised my mind is much in a much better space to sit and to be quiet and so what I what I did was that that became the time when I would sit and meditate uh, and I would put on one of David's podcasts uh, and I practice chanting my favorite one is the third one on Spotify. Uh, Where I do the chanting and the brief mindfulness meditation and the loving kindness. So I've been doing that. And even now that the gym's back, I still have a time in the evening where I do that. And then I would say my biggest challenge, the last question that I see myself trying to overcome Uh, is to continue to work on the attachments, especially of my family. You know, I moved here in February of of 2018 and I made a commitment for my family. Uh, I said, I'm moving away, but uh, I'm I'm coming back. My plan is to come back twice a year. Uh, I was scheduled to go back in uh, March of this year. And then of course, COVID-19 threw a wrench, so to speak, into that plan so you know i've talked with david about that about my attachment to my mom she's 87 and i don't have i don't know how much longer i'm going to you know have her in my life and uh, so for now it's it's phone calls but i still find myself wanting to look into the future you know and and look for answers and when when will i be able to go back and visit? When, when can I see my mom? Will I be able to see my mom before she passes? So all of those things have to do with the attachment uh, instead of just letting letting it be, letting the situation and accept the situation as it is, you know, so to speak. I am very grateful to you, David, for teaching in a way that the teachings make sense to me. And and. Uh, I remember, uh, and I'll end on this note, you said it's so much easier to practice in a country where a majority of your fellow citizens are also practicing, and I've found that to be the case. That doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't plenty of opportunities for me to practice, especially right speech when I get frustrated, but that's also something that I've really worked on And a lot of times in terms of right speech and right action, I just, I don't get sucked into a lot of the debates on social media um, because that's definitely an area where my mind will become discontent, wanting people to stop fighting. Uh, I've seen friends uh, and relationships torn apart over current events that are happening in the States and they're mutual friends of mine. And I, but I understand now. I have an understanding of what's happening. So I'm grateful for that. And uh, just as an aside, thank you again, Max, for the work that you're doing to help support David and the the teaching. So I've uh, talked plenty now, so thank you for giving me the opportunity.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. And thank you for bringing up about your observation of what it's like to learn Gautama Buddha's teachings and practice them when you're surrounded by millions of people that are also practicing them. And there's a real beauty in that because you can learn the teachings and then see them how they're being applied by other people. This is what it means to be part of a Sangha or a community of practitioners. Sure, you guys are all at different places in the world and you can learn and practice these teachings, they're the natural laws. So these natural laws apply everywhere in the world. But one of the things that Bill has by living here in Chiang Mai is being able to observe other practitioners. And it's not that everyone else is telling you what they're doing and how they're doing it, but if you understand the teachings and you sit down at a restaurant in Thailand and you see them bring you free fruit at the end of your meal, you know, ah, that's generosity, ah, that's loving kindness, ah, that's compassion. Or if you're talking to a Thai person and you might see them maybe start to get a little bit discontent, but then they cut it off and they just smile and they say, okay, I'll take care of that for you, right? You can see how people practice. And this is one of the reasons why once COVID's gone, I'll start having retreats here so that people can actually start coming to Thailand and live here, even if it's just five days, ten days, one month, two months. Uh, you can actually come here and live. And there's actually students that have come already that I'm not having a retreat necessarily, and they'll just say, "Hey, David, can I come live in Chiang Mai for two months, or a month, or six months? I want to just learn with you and live there." And there's plenty of people that are starting to do that. So. If you find that you have some time in your life and you would like to come, whether it's five days, ten days, you know, one month, two months, you'll come, meet me and Bill, and we'll take you around and we'll show you what Chiang Mai is all about. We'll take you through the temples and some of the other really beautiful things here to see, and you'll get a chance to practice the teachings amongst other practitioners, and you'll get to see how these teachings work in a large society of people who are all practicing these same teachings. And it's really like night and day. If nobody ever told you anything about the Buddhist teachings and you just came to Thailand on your own, you would see this warmth and this generosity and this love and this kindness and this compassion. And you would know you had landed in a place that's completely different probably than where you grew up but you wouldn't know why. It was just like wow, these people are so different than where I grew up. But for you having learned these Buddhist teachings now and now getting to have an opportunity to actually see them being practiced amongst millions of people and seeing how a Buddhist society can really function in a very conducive way where you don't see hostility, you don't see aggression you don't see road rage you don't see fighting and bickering and all of the things, you don't see judgment, people aren't judging you people aren't trying to force you to do one thing or another, it's really a beautiful thing, and I see Bill raising his hand, he wanted to mention something I wanted to
3: add one more one more example of uh, of Gamma
1: mm-hmm.
3: I went to the gym the other day and, you know, I'm, I'm older now, <laughs> I'm still healthy and young enough to be able to go to the gym, but I make mental lapses, okay? So they have a system where you, um, you give them your membership card and then you get your key through the locker. Uh, it was an hour after I'd been on a cycling machine when I uh, went to go upstairs to the weight area when I realized I didn't have my key. They let me uh, get back through. the. They kind of have one of those little things where you scan it to get into the main section. So they let me in, and I went to the locker room. My locker was sitting wide open. The door was open. My wallet was sitting. It was the the most visible thing right there on the edge. And it had been there an hour unattended.
1: Nobody stole Uh, it.
3: That would not yeah. happen if back yeah. in
1: there. Yeah, that's what it's like to live in a society of people that understand karma. They know it's if so they high. steal, it's gonna bad things are gonna happen. So we just don't do it. And I do the same thing, Bill. I, have, I think you guys have heard me mention, I have a bike that I brought from America. It was a $500 bike in America, which wasn't a big deal for me at the time when I was making more money. But here in Thailand, That's like a two month salary for the average Thai person. When I ride my bike to 7-Eleven, I just put it outside, no lock, no nothing, right out in the front. I go inside, take my time. I'm not thinking about whether it's gonna be there or not be there when I'm done because I know it's gonna be there. And I just go in, do my shopping and come out and there's my bike. I used to travel by airport a lot to do different things and one time I left, for two weeks to go teach some Buddhism out in the eastern part of Thailand, I have a motorbike helmet that I bought when I used to have money. And it's about a $300 motorbike helmet, which is about a a month's salary for the average Thai person. And when I went to the airport on my motorbike and parked my motorbike outside for two weeks, I just put my motorbike helmet there. Two weeks later, I came back. It was still there. Nobody stole it right this is what it's like to live in a buddhist society of people and it'll be wonderful someday if you guys actually get a chance to come here either on your own or as a retreat or something like that where you can actually experience what it's like to live in a society of people that are practicing these teachings so yeah thank you bill thanks for bringing that up
2: thanks a lot for that bill
4: okay so i know that james is interested to go next so over to you james Okay, so my name is James. I'm from South Carolina. I'm currently living here after a year in Los Angeles, and I've lived in a few different areas, and I expect that will continue. <laughs> but I would say um, one of the things that led me to um, studying the Buddhist teachings was um, to be brief. Over the last like you know decade, I mean, I've definitely been on like a search for for truth and and meaning, and. Um, I've never been able to find any of that in, um, you know, the consumerist culture of America or the um, fundamental um, Christian religion of the region that I'm in. And um, I always knew that there was, um, I always had this draw that uh, to what I thought was was truth, you know? And, um, you know, and there's been different ups and downs in that path. And I've had a lot of different experiences where I was closer to that and where I was further from that. And um, I guess over the last year or so, I've had a couple of experiences that really, I would say awakened me to, um, to my conditioning and to, um, to my own mind, and um, along with that, I had a few um, encounters with with Buddhism, like up close. And um, in the course of that, I um, was actually recommended David as a teacher, and um, and that that really has launched like a heavy um, practice for me. And um, I would say that I've had different experiences and in different um, ideas in regards to. Um, the non-self and that that it's our reactions rather than um than the actions of others that really um affect our mind state. And um Buddhism just so um so clearly in David's teachings just so clearly like explain that. And while before I may have had disorganized thoughts in my in my head about um different ideas, it, it just so clearly um articulates and pulls together a lot of this. And um I would say one of the things I think that also drew me to it was it's not faith-based and um, you know the Buddha challenged that we question and challenge the teachings in a certain degree um, with our practice and that really speaks to me because I am more of a questioning type of person and um, and I've done that in my own practice and um, there isn't anything that, um, that I've questioned that, that I haven't seen in the world you know um, I haven't seen any um, teaching of the Buddhist that I wasn't able to really like um, see play out in the world and um, that really um, That really encourages my practice. As far as challenges, I would say, um, you know, I've done these teachings and and I do a lot of reading and things, um, so I feel like I have an intellectual understanding of, of the practice, but it's a difference. It's a challenge transforming that intellectual understanding into one's practice and translating it effectively, like emotionally, and I would say that's one aspect that I've worked on and I've had, um, that's one challenge I've been able to overcome to a certain degree and um, actually like the difference between knowing that it is our reactions that affect our state and actually like putting that into practice and um, so I've, I've worked on that and um, I would also say just um, it's assisted me in um, in being myself and being less attached to others opinions of me you know and I think before I was, I was like floating through life I didn't have like A lot of um, sense of purpose or um, truth, you know, um, I think it has given me confidence in what the truth is about the world to a certain degree and um, it's given me confidence to express myself and who I am because I I have belief in um, the teachings and and I think that's been very impactful and um, I think as far as challenges, um, I would say that um, being in a world where others aren't on the path, whether that be the broader society or friends or family or, or anyone, just just being in this in this world that can that can have its challenges in different ways. Whether it's a challenge to um, to want to assist others or a challenge, and um, you know, just seeing that you know um, these teachings can positively impact the world, and you kind of know that cure to, um, to a lot of what's ailing the world. But you know, it's obviously challenging to um, to really um, to really articulate that to the world. And you know, I think one of the harder things is um, not so much teaching others, but convincing others that, that there are teachings that can benefit them. Um, and I think I think that can be challenging and you know, I'm working on that and I'm working on, you know, detaching myself from the outcomes of others and from the outcome of society as a whole. I mean, on Sunday we were talking about um, climate change and I think it's important to um, advocate for that and um, but at the same time I think it's important to um, detach from the idea that um, some of the issues in the world will never will be solved, you know. And um, I mean, I think that that's like um, one of the things, I'm just detaching myself from from the outcomes of, of a lot of these things. Um, and I would also say that I just have like, a, um, a challenge has been that I do have like a very busy mind. Um, I've always been a person who enjoyed thinking and um, would just constantly find myself in thought whether you know whether I'm lying in bed or whether I'm walking down the street. Um, so I think, um, but I understand that that takes me out of the present moment. And um, I think just working on that is just, a continual challenge and continuing to um, to you know liberate myself from the thoughts that are constantly in my mind and such as that. Um, so, but you know, um, I think everything that, that we're learning, you know, that's that's just a challenge that I'm continuing to work on. So, um, and um, I definitely thank David and Max for, um, for doing their part and for everyone in the in the chat and you know, to ask questions because a lot of times you know the questions that people ask are the questions that are in my mind too. And um, so it's really um, informative, like reading Facebook and hearing um all the people in our chat ask questions and things like that. So I just want to thank
1: everyone. Yeah, thank you, James. That was great that you shared all that. Something that you said, uh, you said a lot of things that were really insightful. But one of the things you reminded me of is how the Buddhist teachings are really not for followers, right? Because there's no belief in the Buddhist teachings, it's all about learning and observing the truth for yourself and practicing those teachings, that this tradition of teachings has many practitioners, but none of those people are followers, right? And what I'm hearing from you and Bill and Max and Amina and what I see with all the students that I teach, nobody's a follower, which is outstanding. You're a learned person. You have an intelligence and there's wisdom that you're looking for you're seeking the truth and what the buddhist teachings do is they share with you what the truth is but then you can go out and see that truth for yourself you can independently verify that it's truth not based on any belief and that's where we're all practitioners and nobody is a follower and that's a beautiful thing that you don't have to follow anybody that it's that confidence that you were talking about, James. That's where I think the confidence comes from because essentially what the Buddhist teachings are doing is through that wisdom and you being able to see the truth for yourself, it's building you up with lots and lots of wisdom that now you can function as an independent person and use this wisdom to make really wise decisions in your life. So that's wonderful that you're seeing that progress and seeing that benefit in learning and practicing his teachings.
4: Yeah, I really enjoy that part about the teachings, and it's, it's very confirming. And, um, you know, it, um, it makes one's practice stronger, um, and it, just really, um, it really increases one's understanding of the world, because um, there's not very many things that, that really happen in the world or that I see on the news or that I see happen in people that I know a lot that I can't like, explain based off of these teachings.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: and um, just, it's really confirming about um, it's really motivating to continue practicing and it's just really confirming that these teachings are um, penetrating the truth of reality essentially
1: absolutely absolutely. the Buddha was for sure the fully perfectly enlightened Buddha <laughs> he knew what he I was talking about <laughs>
4: I don't have a um, pinpoint any teachings so far that i um, don't say
1: anything other than that yeah for sure i mean the fact that 2500 years ago the things that he knew that we're just now discovering it's just mind-blowing that he understood things like there's nothing wrong with having a partner that's the same gender as you there's nothing wrong with that Uh, there's no problem with that he knew that 2500 years ago and not everybody even today has figured that out right like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, it yeah. just blows my mind how smart and how wise he truly was
4: yeah you just see it all the time whether it's covid and um, that pointing to um the way that we've been abusing nature and um you know and um, i actually did a, a class recently that was about um it kind of used evolutionary psychology and kind of showed um how um, the buddhist teachings 2500 years ago um essentially stating what what science is seeing today when they um scan my brains and you know um Mm -hmm. it's so yeah i mean it it is it is amazing to see science and really really, um articulate what the video has been telling people for 2500 years
1: (laughs) yeah that's a good point it's like i saw a question in one of the facebook groups recently that says does science and buddhism refute each other From my experience, modern day science is confirming what the Buddha taught 2,500 years ago more and more and more and more as more science is unfolded. It just keeps confirming what he taught 2,500 years ago. And that's part of how I feel like he was so, so, so wise that he didn't have all this sophisticated equipment and everything that we have nowadays that people are just now figuring out. He already knew it 2,500 years ago and uh it just goes to show how wise this buddha really was very good thank you james i appreciate you sharing
2: thanks a lot james really encouraging so i suggest we go to roxanne on facebook roxanne is from the uk she says i was brought up in a family who were non-practicing christian i went to catholic school but felt myself nothing fitted i went in search of a faith i needed some comfort in a somewhat turbulent childhood I found paganism because I love the nature and gentler side of things, but it still wasn't the perfect fit and moved away from that very quickly. Recently in life, I found myself getting stressed, feeling very lost in life. So I was looking at meditation to help calm as the doctor wanted to give me medications. I accidentally stumbled on another podcast discussing Buddhism and boom, it was finding a perfect fitting pair of shoes. I resonated with everything and felt it pulling me i then accidentally stumbled upon david and so i'm glad to have found an actual teacher i love learning and practicing and then the final question the thing i'm struggling with the most is cutting off those negative thoughts and stopping reacting to situations i also need to work on my meditation as i'm not very good at it i just can't shut my mind off
1: okay thank you for sharing roxanne yeah those negative thoughts that you're having just keep working with meditation and keep working learning these teachings and slowly, slowly they will start to dissipate. I used to have tons of negative thoughts in my mind as well. It took many years for me to let them go. And that wasn't even when I was really practicing very deeply. So it just is going to just keep taking time, just slowly chip away at it. I'm really glad you're here. I'm really glad you found this opportunity to be able to learn with the resources that I provide. So Thank you for being here and keep learning, keep growing.
2: Excellent. Okay, so I know that Randall, you were interested in discussing on the Zoom. So let's just go to Randall next. Yeah, my name is Randall. I, I live in Chiang Mai. I've been here in Chiang
5: Mai for about six or seven years. I've never met David in person, but I've been part of this group for about, since about March. I lost my job in March with all the stuff that's been going on in the world so the positive thing about that is that I've been able to join this group and it's been quite useful for me. I've noticed as I've gotten older, um, I've started to notice that I'm I'm just a bit less patient. I've got more of a temper than I used to have. I get annoyed with things like traffic, you know, driving in Chiang Mai, there's a lot of uh, impermanence on Mm -hmm. the road. And I would notice myself kind of maybe feeling like, for example, someone was driving dangerously and thinking about it hours later about how that annoyed me. And, and I just started to wonder why I was having such negative reactions to things that I really shouldn't be that involved in. So, yeah, I one thing I was surprised by in this group, I had tried meditating before. And like many people, I kind of started with it and would drift away and then try meditating a little. And uh, so... Originally I just wanted to get into meditating and I thought this group would be helpful, but I was surprised at how much, how interested I am in actually learning about the, uh, the Buddhist teachings. Um, I didn't expect to be as interested in, in that aspect of this as I am, so that's been really good for me. And in the in the time that I've been meditating and, and joining this group, I've definitely noticed some positive changes. Um, like I don't react as quickly to things that I perceive as kind of negative things happening around me. I, I'm more kind of, um, I recognize my own intentions on things a bit more than I used to. Sometimes like I realize I might be doing something for a reason that I, I wouldn't have noticed before I started paying more attention to myself and, trying to um you know stay on the path and i've stopped eating meat as well which is something i wanted to do for a really long time and so far that's been really good for me as well Um, so yeah i think this has been really positive for me and you know since it's only been a few months i probably haven't even started to identify the things that will be most difficult for me but uh you know like like max said right speech is one that i'm really trying to work on and, you know, I can identify with Bill and James and that, you know, I have a very active mind that I'm trying to uh, figure out how to how to silence or calm every now and then. Uh, so, yeah, I, I really appreciate this class and I thank Max and David for um, for making it happen. And I just want to say I, I leave the class quite early often because, you know, it is quite late here and I get up very early in the morning, but I do listen to the rest of the classes afterwards. Mm-hmm. So and I don't mean to seem we're
1: no, no expectations here, Randall. I teach and however people need to come and go, that's fine. Uh, no expectations on my side. You know, it's really interesting. You have a great voice. I don't know if you're into radio or broadcasting, <laughs> but your voice is perfect for radio broadcast. I, I don't know if others feel the same way, but th- you've got an amazing voice. Uh, that's, well, thank you. It's really beautiful. Yeah, so.
2: I'd like to know what headset you're using there, Randall, because I think I need an upgrade
5: yeah uh, if you're actually interested I'll send it in the chat I'll send you the details sounds
1: good (laughs) yeah it's it's a wonderful sound that you've got there Randall and uh, that's interesting that you're in Chiang Mai I I had no idea so at some point if you're interested we should get together for a bite to eat or something or even just meet up for a smoothie or something it'd be nice to to meet you and chat a little bit yeah definitely okay
2: excellent okay so Carl was up next
6: I can see he then, Carl? Um, my name is Carl. As as he said, I am from Baltimore, Maryland, in the United States. Um, how I came to be here—long, uh, long journey on that one. My first wife passed away ten years ago. That was at, at the time even more than a typical a spouse passing away. It was an extremely traumatic event. Um, I was adrift. Uh, Spiritually, for lack of a better word, for a long, long time after that, I've, I've since managed to put me, put that behind me for the most part. But um, I was still adrift for the longest time. Um, I had meant to look into there's something something subliminally subliminally appealing about um, Buddhism or the teachings of the Buddha. And I had been meaning to look into it for a long time. And um, one day, I just, you know, instead of meaning to look into it for a long time, I actually, um, when Facebook did a search, ended up with a whole bunch of groups, as you can imagine, most of which were not being critical, but just happy, fluffy memes. Yeah, you know, and there's 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 a place for that, but no, there's no real educational value. And one of the one of the links happened to be um, happen to be this particular site. I'm really, really glad I ended up here. Um, it's been immeasurably helpful. Um, there's tons of resources, as I've said before, and everybody already knows this. Um, that's, that's really how I ended up here. Um, as far as what I'm overcoming, I don't think there's really anything that I've overcame as of yet. There, there are a couple of things that I'm making good progress on. I have a tendance, tendency to be very, very angry about current events in the world, including the, the flu outbreak, including you know events going on in the United States, which I'm sure most of you are aware of. Um, what I've done is I've sort of isolated myself from all that. It's, it's funny, I was looking at Facebook this morning, and I didn't get mad at once, which hasn't happened in a long, long time. So I've okay. I, I isolated myself from that. And the other thing that I've been working a lot on is is, is the right speech. Uh, my speech was far from right. I told David, um, you know, one of my big things was, is I, I, for lack of a better phrase, I swore like a sailor. I had a lot of profanity in my language. And that was one of the first things I really said to myself, you know, it's searching a purpose. I'm really going to try to eliminate that. And I haven't yet, but I can say it's and I drastically reduced it and when I do slip up I'm aware that I slip up and I you know put it out of my mind and say you know I'm just going to move on to the next to the next thing um that's really what I've worked on um it's been it's been a great experience for me I can't make it here as much as I'd like to Wednesday I can make most Wednesdays Sunday not so much most of the time but um but nonetheless um you know the 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 podcast it are really, really effective for me, and I listen to it a great deal. And that's that's basically you know where I am.
1: Very good, Carl. Thanks for sharing. And uh, as I was talking to you the other day, I grew up right there in Maryland, so it's nice to have a connection back there and know that you're learning and growing. And that's great progress with not getting mad today on Facebook. That's progress, and that's how it happens. It just gradually progress, and you just get better and better at controlling the thoughts and controlling the mind and the emotions and great at eliminating the curse words the uh, profanity so very good excellent thanks for being here
2: thank you excellent thanks a lot Carl. right so we have some answers from manal on facebook manal is a regular to our classes so thank you very much manal she is from new jersey On the east coast and she says i've practiced meditation for about 20 years was initially taught vipassana but mostly gravitated towards understanding the ways of the mind through my own practice through self-discovery self-introspection thoughtful discussions with other practitioners and self-correction based on my actual life events and based on compassionate mindful action much of my guidance comes from everyday life I am now gravitating towards following the noble path of Gosma Buddha in a way that gives much more depth. To learn teachings from a teacher directly has anchored my thoughts. My biggest challenge is understanding for myself that knowledge is not acquired simply by my living organically. I have been averse to any process which has given technical details, including reading such material, just because I'm drawn to experiential knowledge. I realize this is my greatest drawback I see this challenge as an important one to overcome. The insights which I've taken thus far on these group discussions have been invaluable and I readily speak of the takeaways to my children and husband. I too accidentally stumbled upon this program and really want to chip away at allowing myself to add a more technical aspect to learning what I believe I'm meant to learn.
1: Very good. Thank you for sharing, Manal. And uh, thank you for all your questions that you've been asking throughout the program. They really help to like James was saying, you know, as you guys ask questions, your questions are helping you, but it's also helping other people too. So thank you for sharing and thank you for talking about the teachings with your family, your husband and your children. I think that's a great way to spread the teachings and bring more cohesiveness to your family unit. So appreciate that.
2: Wonderful stuff. So we have no immediate takes at the moment. Would anyone else on Zoom? interested in sharing your answers it's okay if you you, you don't that's absolutely fine as well
1: okay so let's go on to the next two questions the last two questions that i have we can just kind of do a round robin again and these questions are related to the program itself the first set of questions i was kind of interested in everybody getting to know each other a little bit better and getting to know what it is that you've been facing as part of the challenges of uh, learning and practicing these teachings but these two questions are really based on the actual program itself what i'm interested in learning from you guys and hearing from you guys if you're willing to share is what feedback do you have of the things that went well in the group learning program and again we have another month to go and then also what ideas do you have for things that could be improved for the group learning program because once we go through the next month and we finish this program we're looking to start it again. And whatever suggestions or ideas that you share now, it'll kind of give me a month to think them over and see which ones we can actually implement into the program. So I would like to turn it back to you guys and see if there's some information that you would like to share about things that went well and things that you have in terms of ideas that could go even better for the next time around.
2: So perhaps I can kick this round off again, Dave. First of all, what feedback about things that went well? So the way you're able to help us with our queries and our challenges is really powerful because you give very tailored advice to each individual that is directly helpful towards liberating the mind. And I think that's one way in which this has been distinct from the other, other programs because we really are very intent on the end goal here. This really is about liberating the mind. The teachers are fascinating. It's all very interesting as well. But ultimately, if it's not serving some practical end use of you know, eliminating discontent mind, then then you know why do it, right? So I think your guidance there has been really powerful. And also that rather than just give case-by-case guidance, you also will bring that back to a very concise set of teachings, you could always relate that back to a teaching. So it's not just saying, oh, you know, do this, because of course, you certainly weren't making decisions for anybody else, but not even just offering some thoughts, but going the extra mile and relating it back to the teaching so that we can each kind of become our own doctor, right? We can each come to understand our own mind and really learn the teachings. I think that's something that makes this very unique, is that as we do this, we're always bring it back to a very clear, concise set of actionable teaching. So I would like to thank you, David, for all the help you've offered. You've been extremely generous uh, over these months with the program. And uh, clearly, many people are benefiting. So, yeah, I think I speak for many people. So thanks. Mm
1: -hmm. Any suggestions for what we can do for the future to make it even better?
2: I think I still need to think about this one, but... I do know that the the, the questioning side of things is going really well. So I'd like to see maybe more sessions where we're just doing Q&A, maybe if if there's a demand for that. I'd certainly like to see that. Yeah, that's the only thing I can think of at the moment, but more may come to mind.
1: Okay, thank you. Others who would like to share things that have either gone well or some ideas that you have? looks like Carl's raising his hand.
6: Okay, over to you, Carl. Um, Again, I would just like to... um what Max just said. I, I think you probably had a spare moment to yourself sometime back in, what, 1997? It, it sounds like you run an extremely busy life. And, and I, on a personal level, I really appreciate everything that you do. The only, I, I'm just gonna repeat what Max just said. The only thing I would suggest is possibly um, what you have, the setup that you have is fantastic. One, um, one session, um, one live session, on teachings from the book or, or teachings from you know other sources one session on meditation and possibly you know again I know you don't have a lot of free time but possibly a third session just devoted to question and answer but other than that I can't imagine anything at all that needs to be done differently I, I certainly couldn't add anything to it that's that's the only idea I would have
1: okay so adding a third session <laughs> okay
6: that might be challenging, and I understand. Believe me, I understand if it wouldn't be I, possible. But that—that's the only thing I could think of.
1: I devote over eighty hours a week to sharing the teachings of the Buddha, so yeah. I have the time. I've set up my life in such a way that I can do this full time, over eighty hours a week. So, if you guys have an interest to do that, and we see that the interest continues to grow. I'm willing to have as, as many sessions as you guys feel like is needed. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, so we have comments from Amina on Facebook. She says, uh, the quotes on the Facebook page, the quizzes and the weekly talks are really helpful and I think benefit many of us and allow everyone to pursue a self-guided and self-paced educational teachings.
1: Okay, good, good.
2: Thank you, Amina. All, all very uh, positive comments there as well. So we'll go over to James
4: next. Okay, um, I think I mainly... Um, would like to just um, echo a lot of what X was saying. Um, I think that I'm um, definitely um the positive of the course has been um David's teachings and, and the way he teaches it. And um, I think it's almost like a, um it's an ego teaching of the Buddhist teachings. It's um, a lot of times, you know, you may hear teachings but it's it's very much like um seeped in a person's opinion and I feel like David's teachings are um, are very much the Buddhist teachings and um, I think David has had a lot of life experiences, that, um, such that he can relate to a lot of our questions, and um, so I think that's been a real benefit of the course. And I think another benefit of the course has been just the structure. Like, um, for instance, we have a week to read, and we know that on Sunday we can discuss that reading and what questions we have. Um, I feel like the meditation sessions are, are really beneficial too. I think some of my best my best meditations have come um, on our Wednesday sessions. So, definitely think that's a part that went well and um i think as far as improvement that's that's where i would definitely agree with him with max that i definitely like the um, group interactions that that we've been able to have um, today and um I think having that human connection and that ability to um, to you know hear from others and that, that's a really that's a benefit too if we're able to incorporate that into future sessions
1: um yeah i like this group interaction and since i'm broadcasting usually on facebook or youtube i feel like maybe the people in the virtual classroom don't want to be broadcasted over the internet and uh, sometimes i feel like uh if there's too much interaction maybe it loses the people on facebook and youtube but I think that this is really nice to have some interaction between you guys and among you guys as more like we're in a actual room together, even though we're spread out all throughout the world. So that's one of the reasons why we kind of wanted to toy around with this idea of kind of having more interaction in these sessions. So that's good to hear that that's something that you're interested in and you feel that would be valuable. Any other suggestions on things we can do to improve for the next iteration as we go forward?
2: Okay, so they know what on Facebook at this time?
1: Okay, well, it's uh, time for us to probably go ahead and end our session then. I really wanted to make this session different than everything that we've been doing in the past. And, you know, we've got another whole month of teaching to share with you guys. And we're going to be getting into some really interesting topics. For example, on Sunday we're going to be talking about mental illness and the modern mental illness industry and how these teachings can actually solve a lot of the challenges that we see, whether it's depression or anxiety or phobias or bipolar disorder or a lot of the things that we're seeing in our mental health industry that modern medicine says is a medical problem What I've discovered is it's actually not. There's actually a lot of rooting in these teachings that will help us solve those kind of problems. And a couple of sessions ago, you guys might have saw me pull out medicine out of my drawer over here at the desk that I used to be on all kinds of different medications and for 24 years. And through the Buddhist teachings, I eliminated every single one of those and realized that there is no mental illness that I have. It was just that there was craving. There was anger. There was ignorance or unknowing of true reality. There was a self. There was ego. And I needed to eliminate all of these things from the mind. And when I did, the mind became stable, calm, steady, peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy. That's permanent. So I'm going to share with you guys some of the things that I observed through 24 years of going through the mental health industry as a patient and the things that I experienced in that and then how the Buddhist teachings actually can help you eliminate those things and then of course we've got even more content after that the very last thing that is in the book I don't know if you guys have noticed but the very last thing that's in the book is how to determine if you've attained enlightenment. So we're going to cover you know, another three or four or five chapters. And the very last thing that we're going to cover on our very last session is how to determine if you've attained enlightenment or not. So we've got a lot more in this program to share. We're definitely not done. But this was kind of like a nice time to just kind of circle the wagon, so to speak. Everybody kind of pull up a cushion, pull up a a drink of water or a nice cup of tea or a fruit juice or something and just kind of sit around and chat a little bit as if we're all in the same room. And the idea being that once we get through the next four weeks is to start this over again, because you never learn everything you need to know in just one sitting, right? Like there's research that shows if you take a class the very first time, you kind of learn, absorb, and retain about 10% of what's being offered. And then the second time you go through, it's kind of like a 30 or 40%. And then the third time you go through, you know, it increases to 80 or 90%. So each time we go through this group learning program, the conversation's going to be different. What I'm sharing is going to be different. It's all based on the same teachings, but how I present it and the examples that I use, the questions that are being asked in the class are all gonna be very different. So although we're gonna be starting this program over and going back through the program, which I know some people are kind of waiting to join us when we start at the beginning again, for those of you guys that have been part of this program for five or six months by now, when we start it over, it's essentially going to be a whole new program because we're going to be starting it again and we're gonna be doing some different things. So I'd like to encourage you guys to continue for the rest of the next month, but then even once we get going again and we start over at the beginning of the book, that there's gonna be new things for you to learn. There's gonna be new questions that come to your mind. Your practice is going to evolve and go further and further. And you're gonna hear things differently than you heard the first time around. Things are going to soak into the mind a lot more the second time around. You're going to be facing new challenges in life three months from now than that you're facing right now. So you're going to have different questions two or three months from now than you have right now. So there's more to come. I'm going to be doing this for the rest of my life. I've set up my life to the point where the next 45 years when I should potentially die around my late 80s or 90s that I'll be teaching this for all of that time whether it's online whether it's in meditation centers and temples here in Chiang Mai whether it's traveling around the world and teaching at various centers that invite me whether it's producing these YouTube videos or podcasts I'll be sharing these teachings in one way or another so for me this is a life journey And as long as you're interested in learning and you're continuing to develop your life practice and continuing to progress to enlightenment, I'll be here to help you, whether it's in a class, whether it's a certain resource or content that I've produced, or whether it's even just a one-on-one chat outside of these classes. So feel free to reach out, ask questions, keep learning, keep pursuing. Never, never, never give up just continue to learn continue to meditate and continue to practice the teachings walking the path with the buddha so thank you all for joining thank you all for sharing your input of things that you're working on things that you've overcome things that you're being challenged with in the future and just continue to practice the entire eightfold path right view right intention right speech right action right livelihood right effort Right mindfulness, right concentration, the entire path, and then infuse that with loving kindness, with compassion, with sympathetic joy, with equanimity, the four Brahma Viharas, and all the other teachings that we've been sharing in this program. So until next time, Sunday at 9 p.m. Thai time, I wish you guys all the best. May you be peaceful, may you be safe, may you be well. And may you be free of discontentedness in the suffering that it causes. Thank you for joining. Sawadikha. Thank
0: you for listening to this podcast. To provide support for this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha. To access more teachings, visit buddhadailywisdom.com. There you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment.